Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at an article that was in the April 2015 edition of Ensign Magazine by President Boyd K. Packer, an apostle in the Mormon Church. It was titled, The Savior's Selfless and Sacred Sacrifice. He starts off this piece by saying that we all live on spiritual credit, and the context being that we are all sinners, and he's saying that we need to learn to keep our spiritual account paid off at regular intervals rather than allowing it to collect interest and penalties. He talks about the guilt that some members of the LDS church have, but he says that that sometimes this guilt can stain like indelible ink and cannot easily be washed away. Now, that's not talking about Christian believers who would probably have difficulty with guilt, realizing my sin is so bad, why would Christ in his great love and mercy forgive me of something so great, so freely? Isn't there something I must do? Well, in Mormonism, you bet there's something you've got to do, and you have to do a lot. In Christianity, Christ did all the work and merely asked us to come to him by faith in what he did on our behalf. In Mormonism, there's something that must be earned, and Boyd Packer talks about that in this article. On page 38, towards the bottom right-hand portion of the page, He talks about how he was given counsel by President Marion G. Romney. Marion G. Romney was a member of the First Presidency. He lived between 1897 and 1988. Packer says how President Romney told him once, Don't just tell them so they can understand. Tell them so that they cannot misunderstand. That's great counsel, and I think trying to be as clear as possible, especially on a subject like this, is very important. But I've got to be honest with you, after the April 2015 General Conference, when Dieter F. Uchtdorf got up and spoke on the gift of grace, I was left scratching my head. And there was mixed reviews among many Latter-day Saints, some thinking that maybe the church was making a course correction, and some saying, well, that's the same stuff we've been saying all along. I tend to go along with the latter. I think it was the same stuff that they've been saying all along. It's just Dieter F. Uchtdorf couched his expressions in ways that I think could be very confusing if you don't already know what Mormons are supposed to believe when it comes to the concept of grace. But in this piece, Boyd Packer, I think, regurgitates a lot of the same old things that we have heard about what is necessary for a member of the LDS Church if they hope to receive forgiveness. On the bottom of page 39, it says, The Book of Mormon teaches that all men are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil. That's from Second Nephi 2.5. That includes you. You know what is right and what is wrong. 
be very careful not to cross that line. Although most mistakes can be confessed privately to the Lord, there are some transgressions that require more than that to bring about forgiveness. If your mistakes have been grievous, see your bishop. Otherwise, ordinary confession quietly and personally will do. But remember, that great morning of forgiveness may not come all at once. If at first you stumble, do not give up. Overcoming discouragement is part of the test. Do not give up. And as I have counseled before, once you have confessed and forsaken your sins, do not look back. He sounds a little, well, what we call Kimball-esque in this. And some people look at Spencer Kimball as being an anomaly when it came to the requirements he spelled forth in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, if a member's hoping to receive forgiveness of sins. But notice what Packer says here. But remember... That great morning of forgiveness may not come all at once. As soon as I read that, I thought of the miracle of forgiveness and what Kimball says on this, on how forgiveness could take a long time before you finally experience it. He starts on page 324. Your heavenly Father has promised forgiveness upon total repentance and meeting all the requirements. But that forgiveness is not granted merely for the asking. There must be works, many works, and an all-out total surrender with a great humility and a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It depends upon you whether or not you are forgiven and when. It could be weeks, it could be years, it could be centuries before that happy day when you have the positive assurance that the Lord has forgiven you. That depends on your humility, your sincerity, your works, your attitudes. And you know what? You will never find that idea in the New Testament. And you know why I say that? Because when you read about forgiveness in the New Testament, when it's talking about certain believers, it's all in past tense. Mm -hmm. None of them were left hanging. We know that we are forgiven because of our faith in what Christ did for us. At that point in our lives, we can have that assurance. Everything has been taken care of. There is no need to have this guilt that he is talking about in this article. As the great hymn has put it, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I thought of that hymn when when we were talking about this, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is so true. All to him we owe, not a speck do we owe ourselves. It was all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. When Packer says, but remember that great morning of forgiveness may not come all at once. But yet when we talk to Latter-day Saints, how few do we ever talk to that have that complete assurance that all their sins are forgiven? I ask them that. That is a great question to ask your LDS neighbor. If you were to die right now, do you have the complete assurance that all your sins are forgiven and that you would receive the best your Mormon religion has for you? We don't normally get a positive answer with that question. And then on page 40, at the very bottom, it talks about complete forgiveness is possible. Listen to what he says, and he continues on with this uh, idea of the morning of forgiveness when he writes, If you have stumbled or even been lost for a time, if you feel that the adversary now holds you captive, you can move forward with faith and not wander to and fro in the world any longer. There are those who stand ready to guide you back to peace and security. Even the grace of God, as promised in the scriptures, comes, quote, after all we can do, end quote, 2 Nephi 25:23. The possibility of this, to me, is the truth most worth knowing. 
the possibility. Now, it's interesting that he cites Second Nephi 25:23 because, as I mentioned earlier, Dieter F. Uchtdorf gave a talk in April 2015 in their general conference called the Gift of Grace, where he actually cites Second Nephi 25:23. And then wonders if maybe Mormons have misunderstood what that is actually saying. Yeah, he said in the conference, however, I wonder if sometimes we misinterpret the phrase after all we can do. We must understand that after does not equal because. We are not saved because of all that we can do. Have any of us done all that we can do? Does God wait until we've expended every effort before he will intervene in our lives with his saving grace? I would say it certainly sounds like it, according to what Packer's saying, and I would also say it certainly sounds like that in light of all the other comments that are made about Second Nephi 25:23. I mean, folks, let's look at what Packer said. Even the grace of God, as promised in the Scriptures, comes after all we can do. Doesn't that sound like a time sequence? Yeah. You don't get the grace until what? You've done all you can do. I think Dieter F. Uchtdorf can play with this whole, well, who's done all they can do? A question that we've been asking Latter-day Saints for years and years and years, because I would agree, Uchtdorf is right, nobody does all they can do. But that's not the portion of that verse that seems to be in question. The portion that seems to be in question is whether or not you get the grace before you do it or after you do it. It sounds like you only get the grace after you do it. And that's the way all the manuals point. That's the way all the leaders have pointed. And that's an important point, what you've just said. And then he goes on in this article, and he quotes from his own October 1995 General Conference talk that he gave back uh, at that time. And he said, I promise that the brilliant morning of forgiveness can come. Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Philippians 4, 7, comes into your life once again, something like a sunrise, and you and he will remember your sin no more. And he's quoting from Jeremiah 31, 34. And then he says this, how will you know? You will know. And he quotes from Mosiah chapter 4. And then he goes on to say, This is what I have come to teach you who are in trouble. He will step in and solve the problem you cannot solve, but you have to pay the price. It does not come without doing that. And of course, the next question would be, I would think if you're a Latter-day Saint reading this, well, okay, I, I get that, but what is the price that I have to pay? And it goes back to what we've been reading many times from LDS leaders and in their church manuals. You have to have that kind of repentance that permeates every area of your life, which means you confess and forsake all of them. Every part of your life, all of those sins have to be repented of. And forsake, it means to cease. I mean, if we go to D&C 82.7, it talks about how all of your former sins come back upon you. And in fact, using D&C 82.7 in a church manual called Doctrine and Covenants in Church History, a seminary teacher resource manual, on page 134, it says we are commanded to forsake sin. If we sin after repenting, our former sins return. And it gave an illustration to explain this. It said, bring several rocks to class that are all labeled with the same sin. For example, breaking the word of wisdom. Tell students a story about an imaginary person who commits this sin. Invent details to embellish your story. Each time the imaginary person commits a sin, pick up a rock until you are holding several of them. Set all the rocks you are holding aside and ask, what might setting the rocks aside represent? Well, that's repentance. What happens to our sins when we repent? The Lord forgives them. Read Doctrine and Covenants 82.7 and look 
for what happens when we sin again. Ask, how many rocks would a person have to pick up if he sins after repenting? Answer, all that you previously were holding plus a new one. Why do you think our former sins return? What does that teach you about the importance of forsaking sin? How can knowing this doctrine help you avoid sin? And in order for the Latter-day Saint to know for sure that his sins are forgiven, we just go back to Spencer Kimball where he said this progress toward eternal life is a matter of achieving perfection. Living all the commandments guarantees total forgiveness of sins and assures one of exaltation. Now, Packer in this article will go on on page 40 to say, I love the Lord and I love the Father who sent him. Our burdens of disappointment Sin and guilt can be laid before him, and on his generous terms, each item on that account can be marked paid in full. Can it? I guess you can say I can swim to Hawaii, but the possibility of me being able to do that, the point I want to make in closing is, if those are the requirements, how in the world can a Latter-day Saint look at those as being generous terms. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. How would you like to have Mormonism Research Ministry address your church on the subject of Mormonism? MRM's Bill McKeever and Derek Johnson have spoken at many Christian churches all over the country. You see, they can tailor their presentation to meet your church's needs. Anything from a one-day basic introduction to a weekend symposium. You'll find these PowerPoint presentations clear, articulate, and presented in a Christ-honoring fashion. So let your pastor know today that you'd like to have MRM speak at your church. Write us at contact at mrm.org.